want you to open to uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. We've got a single verse that we're going to expound on. We're starting a new series today. I think we'll take about maybe five or so weeks on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. I'm reading out of the New King James this morning. I do have these notes in the Bible app. If you go to more in your Bible app and go to events, you'll see our church is listed there. If you have location on it, it'll be the first thing that pops up. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Are you there? Okay. Well, two of you are there. I'll give you a second. You know where 2 Corinthians is, right? Okay, here we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Do we have any new creations in here? Hallelujah. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We're going to stop right there. Let's ask the Lord to, to breathe on his word and to give us wisdom and insight this morning. In fact, I want you to pray this with me right out loud. Overflow, online, in-house, everybody repeat this with me. Pray, dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life in your precious name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I, I want to begin a series. I've actually, I just got a rough draft back. I've been working on a new book called First Steps. Uh, we've had so many conversations as we've been uh, walking people through membership. Uh, it's been such a joy, but I've had so many interesting questions that have come even over the last number of months. Why do we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Why do we believe that you got to get dunked for baptism? Why do we receive offerings the way that we do? Why do we believe in praying in tongues and laying on of hands? And, you know, some of these things are very, uh, you know, basic Christian doctrine. But how many understand we all come from very different backgrounds? You know, how, how many of you, just by show of hands, let's do a survey here. How many of you grew up? in an assembly of God church. That was your primary place of where, whether it's kings or in another assembly of God. Okay, like four of us. Hallelujah. Okay, how many of you grew up like Foursquare or Pentecostal, Apostolic Pentecostal, you know, some other spirit-filled uh, denomination? You believe in the gifts for today? Okay, all right, we've got more. Uh, how many of you grew up Baptist? Any Baptist? Okay, I grew up Baptist. Hallelujah. And I encountered the Holy Ghost revival. Praise God. Uh, so uh, what am I? How, how many Methodists? Do you have any Methodists? Uh, praise God. A few of you. All right. I love the heritage. They've kind of gone sideways. We need to pray for the Methodist church today. Um, we, uh, what else? What? Lutheran. Any Lutherans? Okay. Uh, how many of you come from a Catholic background? Any Catholics? Okay. Praise God. Uh, how many of you come from the heathen denomination? You were a heathen. You were just backslidden away from God. Hallelujah. Yeah. When I wasn't Baptist, I was heathen. I went back and forth between the two. And so, uh, you know, my point is this. We all come from different denominations. And if you talk to our Catholic brothers about what they were taught about communion, I'm telling you, it's going to be a very different picture than what our Baptist brothers may say. If you were to talk to our Lutherans about what they believe about baptism and even infant baptism, it's going to be very different than what our 
assembly of God, brothers and sisters, believe. And so I, I wanted to begin this series, and this may be very elementary to some of you, but like, why do we believe the things that we believe as a church? Why do we adhere to certain doctrines and uh, why do we believe certain things? Because I'll, I'll tell you, there's certain things that, that I believe that I would call a conviction. Do you know what a conviction is? I mean, it's a conviction's like this goes to the deepest part of my being. It, it not only is, is what I adhere to uh, mentally and academically, but it's in the deepest core of my being. It's my heart. Let me give you an example. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only means by which man and woman may be saved. How many of you believe that along with me? Okay. Now, that's a conviction. I would, if somebody were to come to me and hold a gun against my head and say, deny Jesus or die, I would say, I'm ready to meet him. I would lay down, truly and honestly, I would lay down my life. Even Jesus said, if you deny me before men on the earth, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. I'm not denying Jesus to get out of a death. I'm just telling you that. So I would lay down my life for Jesus. It's a conviction. I would die for Jesus. Uh, I think next week, actually, I'm going to talk about the value and the power of the Bible, the Word of God. There are men and women who laid down their life so you and I can have Scripture in our language today. If they carried that deep conviction, I think we ought to carry a conviction over the Word of God. We ought to value the Word of God and read the Word. That's a conviction to me. But there are other things. I mentioned baptism a little earlier. You know, baptism, I believe in baptism by immersion. That's what we're going to do next Saturday. We're going to dunk some people. You're going all the way under if you're getting baptized with us. But there are some people we mention, Lutherans. You know, Martin Luther, man of God, I believe he's in heaven today. And I believe that many that came out of his church, but he believed in a mode of baptism that's very different than ours. And so it's like, what do you do with that? Why, why, why do the Lutherans practice baptism a certain way? Why do Catholics baptize infants and we don't? We dedicate babies. Why do we dunk people as opposed to sprinkling people? You know, why, why do we do those kinds of things? Now, let me just tell you, baptism... I believe, and I believe it ought to be done a certain way, and it's very important to me. But if somebody were to hold a gun against my head and say, deny the doctrine of baptism by immersion or die, I'm going to say, let's think about this, man. Let's, let, anybody with me on this? Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's have a Bible study. Uh, now, Jesus, I'm going down, man. I, whatever. I, actually, I'm going up, right? Uh, I'll lay down my life. Baptism? Well, let's think about this. Communion? Let's think about this. And so I want you to understand, we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of the things that we believe. Now, we share this verse, and this is really what I believe. I believe at the core of my being, first of all, as I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus Christ is the means of, tr of transformation for salvation for every person on the earth. It's only through Jesus. And I don't know about you, we had a couple gentlemen in our first service, and I rejoice. We had a couple first-time guests who had just come out of prison. And they were first-time guests in our service, and we welcomed them, and we embraced them. In fact, one of them even wanted to preach along with us in the first service. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because guess what? Your, your pastor's been in and out of jail. And this is a, you know, a few years ago now. But... Uh, 
I am a living, walking testament of the transforming power of Jesus Christ in a life. Okay? Once bound in addiction, I shared that story last week. I almost died of a drug overdose in 2004. And God was gracious. He raised me up and, and called me into the ministry. And everything that I have and do today is only by the grace of God. And so, you know, one of my joys is I'm going to be excited to watch our recently released prison friends. Uh, because I have watched how God can work in a life like that and begin to change and transform. Old things passing away and all things becoming new. Now, let me just ask, how many of you in this place, uh, you say you wouldn't want to know me before Christ, but I am a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I am what I am by the grace of God. Is anybody in the house, you've been transformed by Jesus. Hallelujah. If, you're, if your hand didn't go up or you didn't say amen, we're going to have prayer at the end. We're going to pray for you. You begin this process. It's going to be great. We're being transformed. And if you've ever questioned the love of God, friend, hear me. You only need to consider the cross of Jesus Christ. The death that he died, he died for you personally. This is very important. Jesus did not die just a, you know, just a general death that he just kind of flung out there for whoever uh, want, might come along and hear the message. No, he was intentional about your life. He died personally for your sin. The idea of sin dominating you in eternity in hell, separated from God. The Father couldn't bear it. Jesus couldn't bear it. And so he came. He laid down his life and he took upon himself the penalty of our sin. I know this is gospel basics, but... I think this is going to encourage you. I could listen to Reinhard Bonnke preach the gospel. I listen to, you know, these great evangelists, uh, uh, Billy Graham. You know, I hear it, and the message is the same. It's not changed, but it encourages me every time. It encourages me, and I hope it does you too this morning. We'll get deeper in the coming weeks, but we need Jesus. Why? Romans 3, 23 says, We have all sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You want to know why you need Jesus? Because you've fallen short. Now, I want you to hear me on this because I know sometimes when we think about sin and we think about evil, we think about the worst case scenario. Uh, of course, yesterday, we remembered, we honored, we we celebrate. We didn't celebrate. We well, we celebrated the heroes, but but there's uh, a remembrance that went on yesterday in the 20 year anniversary of the terrorist attacks in New York on the Twin Towers, the attack that went against the Pentagon and attempted against the White House. Uh, we remembered those those sacrifices, those who laid down their lives, the the many that perished on that day. And I don't know about you, I remember where I was on 9-11. I was sitting in an English class in high school. I believe I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember as they turned on the TV screens and we watched a smoking building. And as we watched live, we saw the second plane hit that tower. Many of you are old enough to remember it. A few of you may not be. But I remember it was a day we were confused at first and wondering what in the world is going on. But as, as things began to go on, I remember distinctly in my hometown, 
There were a group of Muslims who gathered together to have a party, to have a celebration. And it quickly became known that this was a terror attack. I watched as many of my friends, in fact, my best friend, went over to Afghanistan. And, and, and many of these went over there to fight in this war. And one of my very close friends today, is uh, he's got a prosthetic leg, spends most of his time in a wheelchair. Many surgeries because he and his squad got blown up. All of his buddies perished in that explosion. He lost his legs. And I think about this. We were all exposed and we began to see new levels of evil. We began to see new levels of depravity as we watched news reporters lose their head because of their presence over there. We watched Christians being persecuted and burned alive. And, and we saw all of these. I've shown you a picture before of a, of a Muslim convert who wanted to be baptized and his family threatened him. If you're baptized, we're going to slice off your arms. And I have the picture I can show you of this man who was so willing to be baptized. There's a picture of him just coming out of the water, being hugged by a pastor, and his arms are freshly removed. Willing to sacrifice for We have seen new levels of evil that have come to the surface. And, 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 and sometimes we may have the temptation to say, I'm not that evil. No, that's a religion. No, it's people of that skin color. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's, that, it's that region. It's just everybody over there in that area of the world. And, and if we're not careful, we're going to begin to demonize what the Lord intends to be our mission field. I want you to hear me. If you have a moment of hatred because they've got brown skin or they've got black skin or they've got white skin or they come from that nation, or they, you understand that level of hatred, the Lord is looking at that and saying, if you have hatred in your heart... You're as bad as the terrorist. Do you understand what I'm saying here today, friend? We, on Judgment Day, are not going to be compared to the level of depravity we see in a terrorist or somebody of another faith. We're not going to be compared to the level of depravity we see in a human trafficker or a drug dealer or whatever your standard of evil may be. That is not the measure by which you are being measured. Do you know what the measure is? We're going to stand face to face with God Almighty. And the Bible says the standard we have fallen short of is not the general standard of the goodness of the world. But we're going to be measured by the standard of holiness of Almighty God. We're going to be measured by the glory of God. And where do we fall on that? Very short. We all fall very short. We need Jesus Christ. Somebody better say, I need you, Jesus. And so the gospel is summarized. This is one of my favorite verses. I encourage you all to memorize it. 2 Corinthians 5.21. The Bible says, He, speaking of God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the NIV. The New King James says, the righteousness of God in Christ. He, God the Father, made Jesus who knew no sin. He was perfect. He was sinless. He never fell short. Yet the Lord saw fit to take our sin, our brokenness, our depravity, and place it upon Jesus Christ. And here's where the great exchange happens. He takes the perfect, righteous life of Jesus Christ, and he gives it to us. 
So one day, one day when we stand before God Almighty, He won't see your sin and your shortcoming. It'll be under the blood. It'll have been cleansed and washed away. And when we stand before the Father God, He's going to look and see the righteousness of God that has been ministered in our lives through Jesus Christ. That's a big deal, friend. That's a big deal. I love then... It doesn't just end there. Can I teach you a couple? You you probably are familiar with these words. You know what justification is? Justification is a legal declaration over your life. Not guilty. I don't know if you've ever stood before a judge. I have a couple times. I always received a guilty verdict. Praise God. That's since been expunged from my record. Thank you, Lord. But... uh, (laughs) Um, but I'm thankful, man. I'm going to be excited. I, I think I'm going to be excited for Judgment Day. Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, your, your pastor's not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. Your wife, your husband, they're not going to be there. It's going to be you and God. Uh, maybe that will freak you out. I don't know. I just, even if you know that you're good, it's probably going to be scary. I don't know. I, that's, maybe not. Maybe you can be excited because it's going to be a celebration. There's going to be rewards and awards that are given in that time. It's going to be a time of remembrance. It's going to be awesome. But I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, justification. So you have been justified. There is a legal declaration that's been made over your life. You are not guilty. You are not guilty. Now, I need to remind you, Jesus came, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, to save us from our sins. Not to save us in our sins, but to save us from our sins. So that means there is then a process that begins to happen in our lives where, yes, he saved us just as we are. Don't get this backwards, friend. Sometimes we think, i got to fix myself, then I can go to church. I I can fix myself. Once I kick the booze, once I dump the girl, once I get the substance out of my life, then I'm going to start going after God. It doesn't work that way. One of the goofiest sections you'll ever walk in a bookstore is the self-help section. Why? I'm going to help myself get out of the problem that I got myself into. It doesn't work that way. We need help. We need help. We need help. Jesus. We need Jesus. So we are justified. Here's an easy way you can remember that. Justified never sinned. You got it? Everybody say justified never sinned. That's what happens. You're declared righteous. You are holy. You are a son or daughter of the most high God. Then begins this process where we walk continually with the Lord. And he begins to instruct us. And he begins to correct us. And he begins to make us look more and more like him. That's sanctification. That's the process by which we are made holy in the Lord. And so if you've been walking with the Lord for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years, you ought to look more like Jesus today than you did when you first got saved. Right? I mean, this is just common sense. We don't ever stop that process until you are perfected. I don't know, personally, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. I have yet to meet a perfect person. Maybe it's possible, but I haven't met that person yet. So we're going to remain in process. So whether you're going to get saved later on today, or whether you've been saved for many years, we are all people in process. Okay? So get offended when 
you know, somebody falls short today. Well, you're a Christian. How could you do this? And that, well, I'm in process. You're in process. Hallelujah. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm in process. Look at your other neighbor and say, God's still working on me. It's good. Remember that. Now, Philippians 3.13 says, One thing I do, I forget that which is behind, and I reach forward to the things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can I just tell you, friend, some of us, some of us, we, we get saved. And, and, and we live this life where it's just like, you know, woe is me. You don't know how broken I was. Oh, I've been divorced. I just got out of jail. I, I'm still struggling this and that. And we spend our lives moping and living under condemnation. There's a high call for us to pursue, friend. There's a high and holy calling. You know, my wife and I, I mean, it just, it just blows my mind. Somebody asked me today in our Discover track, how old are you guys? And uh, how old do you think I am? I'm, I'm thinning hair, so I'm starting to look older, I think. But I, uh, I'm 35. I'm 35. God saved me out of the world of drug addiction. And I remember the devil would slam me with condemnation. You're going to go back into that. I knew my parents had been divorced. And I was afraid to get married because I'm like, that's probably going to be my life and my story too. And there were so many things that the devil tried to hang over me that would have hindered me from moving forward. But I praise God that I had a general in the faith who would look me in the face and say, Jacob, we don't have time to waste. We don't have time. He's coming back soon. And there's souls. You just imagine, friend, let me ask you. If Jesus were to come back right now, do you have friends or family that you're concerned? Would they be received in heaven or would they face judgment? I mean, I do. I have people I am very concerned about. And, and Jesus said, the Bible says that the Lord tarries because part of the reason is he's waiting for the fullness of Gentiles or, or non-Jews to come in. The Lord is tarrying because there's still people that need to be saved. So we got work to do. So listen, today is your commissioning day. No more pity parties. No more moping. No more living under the, the condemnation and the accusation of Satan. No, shut up, Satan. I've got work to do. I've got a high and a holy call. Pressing towards. Hallelujah. So, we need to deal with sin. Amen? Oh, I, I know. It just Nobody likes this topic. Sin, sin is the reason we're all in this mess in the first place, you understand. What is sin? Sin, here's, here's my simple definition. Sin is anything Jesus wouldn't do. It's real simple, I know. But sin is anything that Jesus would not do. So we need to deal with sin. We're going to be justified. We're going to pursue righteousness. We're going to be sanctified. But there's so much confusion. And I, in fact, I write a whole chapter on the topic of sin in this book, uh, First Steps. But just to give you some of the bullet points on it, one of the things that I, I want to make us aware is there is, you know, even me talking about sin. I know there's going to be people that hear this, maybe sitting in this room right now. This pastor is so judgmental. This pastor is just so, he's so condemning and this and that. We don't, we don't know how to deal with sin. 
We don't like to talk about sin. In fact, we're, we're living out what Proverbs says, uh, everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. You know, that's what happens when we remove the Bible. That's what happens when we remove the Bible. There's twice in the book of Judges where the Bible says there was no judge and the word of God was not ministered. And the, and the reaction from the people was the same. In both of those instances, people did what was right in their own eyes. We see this today. Isn't this the cry of the world? You know, you just do you. If it feels good, do it. Follow your heart. Live your truth. Listen, all of those statements, don't say amen. All of those statements are false. All of them are false. Why? Because did you know that your heart lies to you? Did you know that? Don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. Straight out the Bible. Don't listen to your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your heart will lie to you. Well, what do you mean? I'll give you all a great example. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I have learned to despise my scale over this last year. Anybody else gain 20 pounds in 2020? No. <laughs> Why is that? Because your heart is divided. My heart says, I want cookies. My heart says, please, Leah, make me that apple pie. But my heart also says, I miss my abs. You understand? I want two things at the same time. We all know what it's like. We all know what that's like. Don't follow your heart. No, this is why, this is why, you know, I'm praying for this, okay? In uh, the, the last church that, that we were at, I had a guy who was an MMA fighter. He'd come to our early morning prayer meeting every day, and then he would make me run with him anywhere three to five miles. I lost weight. I saw definition in my legs. Uh, I mean, I was in the best shape of my life. If you are an MMA fighter and you want to make me run, I'm down, man. Let's go. Uh, we need accountability. I need That's not in my heart. I don't want to run. Running's like the worst thing in the world. But I know that it's good. I know that it's right. I know that I ought to eat better. Hallelujah. Uh, we've got a body to steward. All right. I'm getting sidetracked. But what happens? People want to live their own truth. What happens when my truth violates your truth? You know, I'll watch this with children. In fact, I observed this the other day. Our, our staff kids, uh, all of our staff are having babies right now. And I was watching as, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dylan and his, their baby, Elsie. She was sitting on the ground, and she was playing so nice. Now, Elsie, Elsie just turned two. Elsie's playing so nice with, uh, with her toy and just having a great time. And then here comes Samson, her cousin. Samson is living up to his name. He's strong and he's, you know, he's got some fight in him. And so Samson comes over and, I mean, just total disregard. He shoves Elsie over, takes the toy because he wants that toy. Has anybody ever, ever observed this? It's like, you were totally fine playing with what you had. But the minute your cousin or your sibling or whoever has another toy, all of a sudden, I don't care about the toy that I got. I want that toy. 
And they'll go. They will bite. They will fight. They will leave you crying and bleeding. And then they'll go over and they'll just be so happy because now they got the little Happy Meal toy. That means nothing. They're going to forget about it in 30 seconds anyway. I don't know it's childish, but we never get over that, you understand. That is within human nature. I don't care if I violate your innocence. This is going to make me feel good. I don't care if I undercut you because it will get me a promotion. I don't care to tear you down because it's going to get me more money in my pocket. You guys hear, human nature, sinful nature does not change, and it's embedded in people from the time that they are infants. From the moment they are born, born in sin. This is why we need transformation. Now let me encourage you in something. The Bible says, Hebrews 4.15, that we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. I want you to hear me on this. I, I really felt like I needed to encourage the people in this. Temptation is not sin. But if I know anything about Satan, he will try and convince you that it is. You can get some stupid thought pop into your head, and you're going to think that because you thought something, well, you've fallen short, and now you need to go repent all over again, and you need to get baptized again, and you stop. Listen, somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you have a thought pop in your brain. I'm going to go cut them off. I'm going to show them some sign language. I'm going to go cuss them out, and if they'll let me, I'm going to beat them down. I know you guys don't ever think stuff like that, right? The thought enters the mind. You've not sinned. Now, the moment you act on that, or if you meditate on that, if you sit there for 10 minutes and you just daydream about what it would be like to beat that guy to a pulp, uh, now you're sinning. You understand. But the moment that pops into your brain, you say, shut up, Satan. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. You've not sinned. You've not sinned. Right? The moment that lustful thing pops into your brain, whoa, check her out. Ooh, check him out. Listen, you've not sinned as long as you take it captive. I'm not going to daydream about this thing. I'm not going to meditate. I'm certainly not going to act on that thing. You're okay. Jesus was tempted in every way. Everybody say every way. That's a big statement you understand. But he was without sin. That means anything that the devil has tried to strike you with, Jesus faced that same temptation. You read in, in Luke 4, you read in Matthew, you read in these places where Jesus was tempted by the devil. I like the way Luke reads because so often we only highlight the three temptations that Jesus was faced with, right? The bread and, you know, throw yourself down and kneel to me, I'll give you the key. We highlight those three. But Luke actually says that he was tempted for 40 days. Continual harassing from Satan. Everything you can imagine Jesus was being tempted by, yet without sin. He did not sin. And that's where God wants to move us. Now, how do we deal with sin? Why do we need to deal with sin? Let me tell you three reasons we need to deal with sin. This is real simple, but sin will enslave you. The Bible says, John 8, 34, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You talk to any addict, 
They never intended to get enslaved in that world. They never intended. I heard that it was a gateway drug. I didn't believe it. I would make fun of the dare presentations. You know, I just didn't believe that it would take me down that road. But it took them further than they thought, further than they intended. Sin will enslave you. Second of all, sin will destroy you. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin will destroy you, friend. And, and, and last of all, sin separates us from God. This is a big deal. I want you to pull this verse up here, Isaiah 59.2. This is a big deal. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Do you know what iniquity is? Iniquity is not just a one-time sin, one-time mess up. I, you know, okay, I did, I did give him the bird, and then, I, and then I repented. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But when you continually fly off the handle, fits of rage and anger, and it's, a, it's become a habitual part of your life. It is your natural reaction. Repeated habitual sin, that's what iniquity is. I'm not a one-time failure. We all have those. Until we're perfected, we're all going to have these moments where we say something, we do something, and immediately Holy Spirit says, that was wrong. And we repent, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. You apologize if you need to do that, and you just keep on going. But when sin becomes a lifestyle, it becomes a habit in our lives. That's what they call iniquity. And it says your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he does not here. That's a big deal. You ever wonder why people spend their lives living in sin in one moment of desperation they pray and they wonder why God doesn't respond. Bro, you've got separation between you and God. Your prayers are being hindered because of your habitual, intentional lifestyle of sin. Listen, this is not a message of hopelessness. I want you to understand this. But this is where some of you are. This may be why your prayers are hindered. Why don't I receive breakthrough? I've asked God, but he hasn't responded. Have you been washed? Have you been cleansed? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? That's the only way that separation can be removed, that we can have this unity and this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, we receive by faith forgiveness. Through the shed blood of Jesus. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You don't have to come to church a certain number of weeks or complete a class. or No, you receive by faith what Jesus Christ has done for you. Second, we need to break up with the devil. Everybody say, break up with the devil. I use that terminology uh, for good reason. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been through a breakup? You know, if you really want to get over that person, there's some things that you got to clean up, that you got to get out. I'm changing my phone number. I'm deleting pictures off of, you know, Facebook and Instagram. I'm unfriending them. I'm going to block them, right? If you really want to get over somebody, you know, it's like, well, there's this sweater that they got me for Christmas last year. You might have to get rid of that thing if it keeps you going back. If it makes your heart continually attached to them, I mean, that's what, that's what breaking up is, and many of us have experienced that. We need to treat the devil the same way. Who's that guy who calls you, and every time he calls you, you end up back in bed? 
Who's that person who calls you and every time you end up back at the party, you end up back in the, in the same mess that you tried to come? Who is it that contacts you that your heart immediately goes back to that place of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness? There's some stuff you got to cut off. If we're going to get serious about God and serious about dealing with sin, you got to break up with the devil. I'm done with this. I'm not going there anymore. Shut up, Satan. I'm changing my number. Hallelujah. And here's the last one. And, and worship team, if you guys will come, I'm, I'm done. We invite Holy Spirit to walk with us. We invite Holy Spirit to live in and with us. I want you to understand that, you know, I, I began this message by talking about doctrine. I began talking about statements of faith and what we believe, but I, I want you to understand that your salvation is not in any of those things. Structure matters. What we believe matters. If we believe wrong, you might miss heaven, okay? But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, my, my hope and my desire in today's message is not that you will memorize statements of faith but that you would come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's not about joining our church. It's not about saying, yes, I agree with the 16 fundamental doctrines. No. Are you in relationship with Jesus? That's what's going to transform us. You know, my wife and I were, I've known her for almost 20 years now. We've grown close and we've grown to know each other now I don't even know where our marriage license is I do do you <laughs> you know we've got little mementos like like our rings this symbolizes our marriage but I don't need this ring to know that I'm married right. I don't need to reference my marriage certificate to remember that I'm in a covenant relationship with this woman of God. Why? Because I walk out our marriage every single day of our life. We live it. We live it. I can look to the Bible and the Bible gives me more instruction than I even know how to apply when it comes to how to love my wife and pray for my wife and to be a good husband and to receive the love of a wife and, and on and on and on. But so much of what I do flows out of our relationship. I know her preferences, not because I read a scripture about it, right. not because a pastor led us in some vow. No, I know because I know her and I'm in relationship with her. Guys, that's what this is all about. I know even I, I share a message like this today and it may be overwhelming, but I want you to know it all goes back to one simple, simple thing. We receive Jesus and we walk in relationship with him. And the Bible says... That the Holy Spirit will inscribe his law, his standard on our hearts and on our mind. So you don't need to go out and memorize the ten, comm ten Commandments, get it tattooed on your arm so you make sure you didn't violate any of them. I believe in the Ten Commandments, but Holy Spirit is going to direct us from day to day. I want you to stand to your feet all across the room. I hope today's encouraged you. And if you feel, if you feel bad, if you feel heavy, let me tell you exactly what that is. Maybe you're here right now and you just feel like, 
Boy, that was intense. That was heavy. I don't know what to do with this. Can, can I tell you exactly what you're feeling there? It's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that Holy Spirit will come and He'll convict us of sin and He'll convict us of righteousness, how we can live for God, and of judgment. Uh, that one's my favorite because it's not like get it right or you go to hell. No, it's He'll convince us of the judgment of the devil. He'll convince us, yes, we have sin, but we can get it right. And we can live in victory because of what God is doing in our lives. And I want to help us with that, with every head bowed, everyone praying right now. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm right with God. I'm not sure that if today Jesus were to return, if today I were to die and I were to stand before God, I'm not positive that I would make it into heaven. I want to pray for you. The Bible says we can call on the name of the Lord and we'll be saved. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart He was raised from the dead, we will be saved. You can be saved. You can know before you leave here today that you're right with God, that your sins are forgiven, and that your hope is in heaven for all eternity. I don't want anybody from Kona going to hell. I don't want anybody on the big island going to hell. That's our goal. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell. Nobody in this place, you're going to make it to heaven. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in your prayer. I want to be sure that my sins are forgiven. I want to be sure that I'm right with God before I leave here today. I want Jesus to wash me and to begin to transform me like you shared about. If that be you, nobody looking around, but I want to see your hand so I know exactly who I'm praying for. Yeah, I see you there. Are there others? I see you there. I see you there. I see you there. Hallelujah. Are there others? I see you over there. Are there others? Come on, raise it so I can see it. I see you there. Are there others? Yeah, I see you in the back there. Come on, high so I can see it. I see you right there. Are there others? Are there others? Just wave at me so I can see you. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Yeah, I see you there, friend. God bless. Are there others? Listen, if you're watching online, you're in the overflow, you raise your hand, they're going to pray for you up there. You let us know in the messages. We'll pray for you online. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we all just lift our hands all across this room right now? And I want you to pray this right out loud with me. We're going to make a declaration of faith. I want you to pray right out loud. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I have sinned. I've fallen short of your holy standard. But I believe, Jesus, you came. You died for my sin. You rose from the dead. And you're coming back soon. I'm going to be ready because I profess my faith in you. I believe you died for my sin. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me and make me brand new. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. Come live your life through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Come on, can we just sing a verse or two? I feel like we just need to love on the Lord for a moment. Come on, let's worship Him. You are worthy.
Come on, bless him right now. You are worthy of it all. speak a blessing over you would you just lift your hands today I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as Abraham was blessed in every way may God bless you in every detail of your life as God blessed Jacob changing his name to Israel may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do when you're tempted and tried may you come forth victoriously as Job resulting in twice as much as you had before as you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you, shine his light upon you. Be